Game day means crossovers for the Locked On Network, and today I'm joined with Dane Lewis from Locked On Dallas Stars. I'm Ross Levitan from Locked On Senators, and after an amazing offseason for, I'm going to say, both teams, I really like being able to sign the guys that Dallas did, and I know it was close with Jason Robertson, but he's back in the lineup for Dallas. Now, Dane, how has been the start of the season been for the Stars? It's been really good, Ross. It's been about as good as you could expect. I mean, the Stars have gotten at least one point in all of their matchups so far. They lose in overtime last Thursday to Toronto. But, I mean, you go on the road, tough building, tough crowd, really good team. I mean, a, a Leafs team that has struggled out of the gate but seems to be finding their footing. The Stars are, I think, firing on all cylinders outside of, you know, collecting maybe too many penalties on a game-to-game basis. But overall, I, I think that the entirety of kind of the Dallas Stars community is pleased with what they've seen so far and maybe even a little bit surprised. I don't think we were expecting this explosive of a start from this team that certainly has the, some good pieces to contend and compete. But I, I think what we've seen so far is taken a lot of people by surprise. That's great, man. Yeah, I'm a little surprised myself after, you know, it felt like Jake Ottinger was the only reason that game, that series went seven games last spring. Has it been more of a team effort here to start 2022? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I've been harping on 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 this show pretty much since the start of the season. It seems like last year, uh, you're 100% correct. It was Ottinger keeping the stars in that seven game series. And then outside of him, it, it was really, you know, the top line for this stars team of Robertson, Hintz, Pavelski. And those guys are great this season. Ottinger is still great to start this season, but we're seeing contributions from Tyler Sagan. He's off to a nice start this season. Mason Marchment comes to Dallas from Florida. He's having a really good run of things so far. Miro Haskinen has kind of had to step into the primary defenseman role with John Klingberg gone, and he's played really well. I know we were talking uh, before recording that he's been on the ice for 10 Stars goals, and while he's been on the ice, there hasn't been a goal recorded against the Stars, so that's about as good of a start to the year as you can have. So the Stars in general just seem to be getting the most out of everyone on the roster, whereas last year it felt like maybe only four or five guys consistently were providing for this team night in and night out. Now, I will say this success has not been in spite of Jake Ottinger, who's 4-0 with a 9.59 save percentage, 1.25 goals against average. Are they doing enough to help him, or, or has he been able to you know, pick up right where he left off last spring? I, I think he's definitely picked up a little bit where he left off. I think that he's put in the work over the summer and you know has a good relationship with the goaltending coach Jeff Reese in Dallas and just the coaching staff in general. I know he had a relationship in new Pete DeBoer even before DeBoer came into Dallas this summer. Uh, and so I think that there's certainly an aspect there of Ottinger being, you know, the guy that he is, the player that he is and playing very well. But the stars also have helped at times, but they've also kind of left him out to dry at times with the aforementioned penalties that I talked about just a few minutes ago. There's moments where it seems like the stars are just consistently killing penalties and consistently down a man with someone in the box. And thankfully, Ottinger has been able to step up in those moments. But when the stars aren't committing penalties, I think the defense is on par with what we've seen the past several seasons with Dallas being known kind of as a defensive grit and grind team. And I think they've kept that identity on the defensive side of the ice, but they've been able to you know, turn that into efficient offense in the neutral zone and in the offensive zone as well. So I think I think it's a little bit of both, but Ottinger has certainly had to step up in some pretty big moments for this team this season. So two wins against the Nashville Predators. That probably felt good right in the division, right off the bat. You continue it with a 4-1 win over Winnipeg, the overtime loss in Toronto, and then 
banking that out with uh, the free bingo card, we'll call it, this season against the Montreal Canadiens. I say a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but overall for you, after five games, what's the best storyline if you're a Dallas Stars fan? The best? Man, that's a, that's a great question and one that's difficult to come by, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with the newcomer in Mason Marchment. Uh, just a guy that was expected to come in and contribute on the second line for the Stars, but I think that he's really blown some people away with just how well he's done. There were questions of, okay, was he good in Florida because he was playing in the Panthers system? I mean, the Panthers were, were an offensive juggernaut last season winning the President's Trophy, so the question was, could that translate from Florida to Dallas, a team that hadn't been very good on offense as of late? And the question is, so far, has been a, a pretty resounding yes, and I, I think that he's you know, brought some life to this team that, you know, I think there was already some a little bit there, but he's just been a spark plug and a, a guy that gets after it on the offensive side of the ice in the first game of the season. I mean, he made Roman Yossi, uh, one of the best defensemen in the league. I mean, look like a, a junior league player. Uh, I mean, it was ridiculous, the, go- the goal that he put on him and UC Saros. And he, he just, even after that, has continued to build on that and uh, had a nice point streak going. I think he lost it on Saturday in Montreal, but even when he's not you know, performing offensively. He's physical. He plays defense. He's, you know, always going at other guys and trying to kind of play that mental side of the game as well and try to, you know, hinder the opponent, whether it's, you know, checks on the board or, you know, just talking in between plays. He's a guy that seems to be fully engaged when he's on the ice for this team. And the, the Stars have benefited greatly from him uh, being in Dallas so far. So tons of good stories with this team so far. But I think that's the one that's, you know, the best for me uh, is from what I've seen and, and one that has taken me by surprise. Well, and how about we're, we're in Ottawa really lucky to have Claude Giroux come home and just how a young core can be kind of re-energized by a veteran who who's just so good. And we're seeing that in Dallas as well. Like, I don't know what kind of Benjamin Button routine Joe Pavelski has, the hat trick in Montreal, but like, can you talk about what maybe he's meant to guys like Jason Robertson and the up-and-comers on this team? You know, you've got a few of them there, like Rupe Hintz, who's really come into his own. Like, how much do you think Joe Pavelski's influence has had on this team? The influence is monumental, and I think it's been that since he's come and been a member of the Stars team, and I think maybe there's even a little bit more this season. He's reunited with his coach, Pete DeBoer, from San Jose when he was the captain of those Sharks teams, and I think there's that added incentive of Pavelski's career. Is, you know, it's unfortunately starting to wind down, and who knows how long you know DeBoer is going to continue coaching, so there's kind of this idea of both of these guys that haven't won a cup yet trying to go after that Stanley Cup, but I think at the same time, you mentioned the impact he has on the younger players. I think that he's realized he has that opportunity to, you know, teach these guys how to be professionals, both on and off the ice. I think that's one thing that everyone across the league can agree on Pavelski is that he's great on the ice, but even off the ice. I mean, a good, good father, good husband, a great example in the community and a guy that a lot of people look up to and admire in this league. And so he's teaching guys how to be professionals there, but also on the ice. I mean, he's one of the first guys out on the ice at practice every morning, whether it's game day or just a midweek practice. Uh, A guy that's going to be out early, staying on the ice late, one of the last guys off the ice as well. And so I think that goes a long way uh, for guys like Robertson, hence Wyatt Johnston, uh, a rookie on this roster this season. I mean, guys see that and guys like that already have a ton of talent, but if they can, you know, find a way to 
you know, work like Joe Pavelski and, you know, grind and continue to improve his craft like he's done over the years, I think those guys can be really special players. And when they look back on their careers, they can probably attribute a lot of that success to the mentorship and, you know, leadership guidance of a guy like Joe Pavelski. 88 points in his last 87 games at age 38. Super impressive. Did you think after a 31-point season in his first with Dallas that this was even possible? It almost felt like he was kind of on his way out of the league then, and now, look, it's three years later, he's producing as well as he was in his prime. Yeah, it's insane. I know last year, I think he set a new career high in goals, assists, and points. I know for sure points. Uh, It's just unreal. I don't, uh, to be honest, I didn't see that coming. I think he was kind of a guy that you bring in to produce I mean 31 points in his first year not terrible finding ways to contribute to the team but I think a lot of people kind of saw him as a guy that could you know score a goal every now and then but mainly be an additional veteran voice alongside Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan but he's really gone above and beyond and done that you know the the leadership side of things with the older players on the team but yeah he just seems to continue to not age and it makes things really interesting with him because he signed a new deal with the Stars in the middle of last season, but it was only a one-year extension. And so now the question is, does he think he can run it back for an additional year, depending on how this year goes? What what does his future have, and what does he think his future holds? And will the Stars you know, be interested in bringing him back? Because he looks great now, but you just have to imagine at some point he's going to slow down. We have no idea when that is, and hopefully it's not anytime soon. But it just starts to, you know, it's starting to sneak into a lot of Stars fans' minds of, should we look to bring Pavelski back? Should we let him walk in the offseason? Is he going to retire? Lots of questions surrounding that that I imagine we'll get answers to as the season continues to roll on. So the Ottawa Senators played Dallas twice last year. Ottawa won both meetings, 3-2 in Ottawa on October 17th and then in Dallas on October 29th. In the seventh game of the season, 4-1 this year, they'll get to meet bright and early again Monday night in Ottawa as Dallas continues a road trip. But we're going to have to wait a little bit longer till December 8th when the Sens will take on the Stars down in Big D in Texas. But before we turn it around and let the Dallas Stars fans in on how things have been going in Ottawa, Dane, we've been tire pumping so far, right? What's a good storyline? The team doesn't have a regulation loss yet. Joe Pavelski's drinking out of the fountain of youth. But every team has a whipping boy. Who's the guy you want to see more from as a fan base in Dallas? Yeah, the, I think the the obvious answer right now is Denis Gurionov. Uh, you talk about Pavelski's new deal. Gurionov signed a one-year extension in the offseason as well. And this is a guy who the Stars have just had high expectations for ever since he came onto this team. And it seemed for a moment that he would you know, fulfill th- those expectations. And he played really well before things shut down in t- 2020 and even played well uh, for the Stars back when they were you know, making their run to the Stanley Cup. And really, ever since that moment, it seems like he's just taken a, a dip in his performance. Not an awful player, not a guy that can't contribute. But if I'm not mistaken, he's the only Stars forward on the roster who hasn't recorded a point yet. And a guy that last year was healthy, scratched a lot under Rick Bonus. And it was never really confirmed, but it just seemed like there was not a good relationship between Bonus and Gurionov. And I think that that messed with Gurionov mentally and you know, affected how he played on the ice when he was getting in games and 
we haven't seen a ton from him this year, and I think the hope was a, a Peter DeVore offensive system could get him going, and hopefully it's just a slow start. I know that you know every year you get guys that get off to slow starts. Rope Hens didn't score a goal until you know a month into the season last year and then ended up with 37. So it certainly is possible that we can see him get things turned around, and there is plenty of time, but uh, you know, Dennis Gurionov, it almost seems like we could get another Val Nachuskin situation where he doesn't perform well in Dallas, goes to another team like the Avalanche and plays well, wins the Stanley Cup, gets a new deal. I'm hoping that's not what happens. I uh, really do want to see Gurionov, you know, thrive here in Dallas. I think he's a special player and has a really unique skill set with size and speed. And it, we just haven't seen it yet this season. So maybe this game in Ottawa is a game that he finally wakes up, but uh, only time will tell. Give me one more player for fans who are listening right now in Ottawa who are heading to the game tonight at the Canadian Tire Center. Who's somebody that they should be keeping an eye on as a guy who might impress them? That is a great question. And I, I there's a lot of guys I could give. I talked about Wyatt Johnston, the rookie. He's a fun guy to watch and a guy that's it's not clear yet if he's going to stay on the NHL team past his nine kind of nine, nine game tryout right? before and going yeah. back to to juniors. But there's he's him. In Windsor, but I, by the way, right in the OHL. Yes, sir. Yeah, Windsor. Uh, so he might go back to Windsor. He's scored, you know, a, a few points so far this season. He looks good. I, I think he has a good chance to stay with, with the team. And there's him, of course. But I, I think the guy that really could be fun to watch is another defenseman. We have Miro Haskinen, but one of the newer additions of the Stars team and Nils Lundqvist, uh, a guy that the Stars traded for right before the start of the season with the New York Rangers. A guy that can provide a little bit of offense, not necessarily a strong defensive defenseman, but you know, still finds ways to contribute. And he's he's found some good chemistry uh, playing on the Stars blue line. It seems like he just kind of came in and started things up right around, you know, in the middle of training camp with this team and was one of the highest scorers in the preseason for them. Uh, just, I don't know. He, he's a small guy. He's quick, but he, he just does a lot of things that won't necessarily be tracked on the stat sheet, although he can rip a nice shot from the blue line. He can pick up a few assists here and there, but just the way he's able to move the puck and set up his teammates for good looks, I think kind of can go under the radar with, you know, the guys that are getting those looks and firing off those one-timers or firing off the other good passes that are results of his really good outlook passes. So Nils Lundqvist, he wears the number five. He should be a fun player to watch. All right. 22 years old, has points in back-to-back games, three assists in five games since joining the Dallas Stars. I believe the return was a first-round pick. Am I am I right with that? Yes. it's uh, I'm blanking now on the term. Not an outright first-round pick. Uh, I'm a terrible NHL. NHL uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, conditional. I don't know why that word escaped me, but, you know, <laughs> it did. Good. All good. Hey, that's a great primer on the Dallas Stars. I mean, we're all going to be watching uh, Jake Ottinger as well because Ottawa has benefited, I think, from a couple goalies sleeping the last few games. Ottawa scored 18 goals in three home games since coming back to the Canadian Tire Center, an average of six per game. Fans are ready, even the ones who don't have a voice. They're going to pack the barn tonight. And coming up right after the break, I'll get Dane to grill me on what the outside is thinking about the Ottawa Senators. Stick around. It's a crossover edition between the Locked On Dallas Stars and the Locked On Senators podcast. All right, it's game day at the Canadian Tire Center. And I'm Ross Levitan from Locked On Senators. You can go check out the channel at Locked On Senators, uh, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. We appreciate a subscription there. It goes a long way to help the algorithm. And while you're on YouTube, make sure you're following along with Locked On Stars. Dane Lewis does a great job from down in Texas. All right, Dane, my first question here is, what's the perception of the Ottawa Senators in your neck of the woods? 
That's a great question. I know we talked about before recording this. There's a, a member of the Dallas Cowboys, Gallimore, defensive lineman who's from Ottawa. And I feel like that's maybe as far as the perception goes with that team here in Dallas, just because we don't get a lot of Ottawa on our on our TVs down here. If we're getting a hockey game, it's a Stars game, or we're getting the you know the ESPN broadcast, the TNT broadcast. And of course, they're going to have your Colorados, your Edmontons, New York, Boston, Tampa. So I feel like it, there's not a whole lot of deep knowledge. Of course, you have the the committed NHL fans that follow the league very closely. They're going to know you know what's new with this team and kind of how they're running. But I, I feel like generally, you know, the knowledge goes to the Central Division and the Eastern Conference is maybe a little bit of a mystery. But I know that many people are aware of the the new additions to the team and. You know, I know I imagine many of the fans as well as myself, you know, would love to know, even just from your perspective, how the expectations have been managed this offseason. Like, is this team performing the way you thought they would through the early stages of this season? Because it can be difficult to, you know, get good chemistry and good performance out of a really, you know, different team from what you saw last season. Claude Giroux comes in, Alex Dabrinkit. I mean, would you say that the team has lived up to expectations so far? Yeah, I'd say it took a couple games to to get there. The the offense only scored three goals in the first uh, two games of the year, both on the road. And then they came home and they've been averaging two goals a period on home ice rather than per game. So the offense is really starting to click. But right when you said, like, I don't think people know a lot about Ottawa in Dallas, and it makes sense. There's there's not even a whole lot of crossover players-wise. Like, obviously, Jason Spetz is the big one, uh, captain of, of this team in Ottawa for one year before being traded to Dallas for Nick Paul and a couple other pieces there uh, many, many years ago. And then the other one is a super fan favorite who's now back working in media in Ottawa, and that's Mark Mathot, uh, whose kid, by the way, was wearing his old Dallas Stars jersey at the Sens uh, Coyotes game. So the Dallas Stars were being represented uh, at the Canadian Tire Center the other day. But yeah, to answer your question, the the new additions, it's just awesome to see. Like I've been manifesting Claude Giroux to come to Ottawa for the last like four years. You see him uh, being a leader that he is, still putting up points. Like very similar. That's why I brought up Pavelski. Like it's a very similar situation where it's a guy you bring in for leadership, but then you look and you're like, wait, this guy had 80 points two years ago. Like he's still a, a very solid, creative offensive player. And for Ottawa in the phase of the rebuild they're at, they needed more firepower. You can grow from within as much as you want, but at some point you see that even with teams that are already competitive, they want to add to, to go for it a little bit more. And Ottawa had this top line. They've really kind of figured out. Now there's an injury we'll get into. That's pretty crucial here, but uh, their top line over the last year and a half has been Josh Norris, Brady Kachuk, and Drake Batherson. Those guys are all under 24 years old, and they've been playing as a top line in the NHL for over a year. So those guys have kind of figured it out, but that leaves our, our superstars. as we call them. Make sure you put the umlaut over the U with Tim Stutzla, the third overall pick in 2020. If you do a redraft today, which I know it's way too early to do a redraft two years later, but he, he goes first overall. He's already at almost, if not, he's at 100 points so far in his NHL career. He's, he's an electric talent. But he was playing with two middle six players, like guys who grind more than they score. So they needed to address that in the offseason. And they went out and got a two-time 40-goal scorer, Alex Dabrinkit. Now, if you had told me when he signed, if he had one goal after five games, would I be worried, especially if that goal was an empty netter? I would have said yes. But this guy's getting chance after chance after chance. They're going to go in. He had one. It was a two-on-one against Arizona. And as he's about to pull the trigger – stick just shatters in half and you're like okay that's the luck you're having 
But then what's your B game when your A game isn't going? And turns out he's a pretty good playmaker because he's got four assists on the season, so still at a point per game, whereas Claude Giroux's bringing a little bit of everything. His face-off percentage, always among the league's best, and you, you just get the whole package with him. He's so competitive. Every time he's in the offensive zone, he's putting pressure on the defenseman to make a play. Otherwise, it's going to be a turnover, and he's able to turn that into dangerous scoring opportunities right away. So those are the two big additions up front. In goal, they added veteran stability in Cam Talbot, but he actually uh, broke a rib in preseason. So he's been out. They've been riding Anton Forsberg. Great story with Anton Forsberg. Seventh round pick way back in 2011. Has been grinding it out in the AHL. Had one taste in Chicago, but he was put on. You know how in uh, the COVID-shortened year, they uh, you needed to put have three goalies on the roster at all times. Right. He put on the taxi squad. He was picked up on waivers three times. He went from Edmonton to Carolina to Winnipeg to Ottawa. And then he comes in and all of a sudden he's unbelievable. Ottawa was not a good team last year. Anton Forsberg never lost more than two games in a row. This guy, he, he brought this stability. They re-signed him three years. Very reasonable. 2.75 annual average. And He's just been a stud for them back there. So I think that you're seeing kind of the veterans come in and really help out this young core that has so much talent. Like they're two top scorers this year, Brady Kachuk and Drake Batherson, each with eight points. Like, you know what you're getting with those guys, but it's this extra layer of depth that's really helped them succeed so far. Yeah, it's seemingly an impressive start. You talk about how hot they've been on, on their, their, their homestand as of recent. I mean, just lighting teams up and, finding ways to score goals and move down the ice quickly. I, I mean, top 10 and goals for, it looks like 21 goals for, and, uh, you know, above 500 to three and two record early to start the year. And what's likely to be a pretty competitive Atlantic division. Nobody's you, under 500 in the Atlantic division at the time of this recording. Everybody's over 500. Who had the Sabres sweeping the Western Canadian <laughs> swing? Like this is a wildly impressive division for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, with that, I mean, curious to pick your brain on you and, uh, you know, even Brandon's preseason thoughts of where you think this team finishes. Do you think they have a legitimate chance to make it into the Stanley Cup playoffs? Because it, it's going to be a tough road for sure with the Atlantic. But then even if a wild card spot is open, you've got some really good teams in the Metro as well. Yeah, and that's why there's no such thing as a must win game this early in the year. But it really feels like they need to have a good start. The last two years, Dane have been some of the worst starts ever. And there are outstand out out of their control circumstances. Like they were basically the guinea pigs of COVID last year with the NHL, them and the Islanders, where they're like, how many guys short can they play before we actually have to postpone the games? There was a game against Calgary where they had 13 regulars out of the lineup. And you're like, what are we doing here? They lose four nothing. They got like 13 shots on goal. It's like put Pilsy and I in. We can we can do this. But no, in all seriousness, yeah, four wins in their first 20 games in each of the last two years. They can match that with one more win, and they've only played five. So that in itself is a great start. They still need a bit more growth, I think. And they have these two kids who came in. I'm, I'm rocking the North Dakota sweater right now. We, we call them the hashtag Nodak Sends. Uh, at one point during the COVID break uh, for the NHL, they had four players on one college team, and it was super fun to follow them, including the fifth overall pick. So Jake Sanderson right now is he's playing like a like a, a ten year veteran in the NHL, and uh, Stars fans will be interested to know that when we asked Jake on our show when he came on, uh, who do you model your game after? 
Miro Haskin was the first name that came up. He wants to be a guy who slows the play down, can control the pace of the game, distribute, do everything basically as an elite defender. So that's kind of the the model. He's not he's not Miro yet, of course, but uh, five games into his NHL career, you can kind of see that template. Took 15 stitches. Came right back, was back 10 minutes later. So I like him. He's a gamer. His dad played over a 1,000 games in the NHL. So he's kind of grown up. The sense of a lot of those guys. Obviously, Brady Kachuk comes from a hockey family and uh, a few others as well. So uh, you're looking at these kids taking the next step. Expectations, though, not to get too far away from the question. The other guy, though, Shane Pinto. We'll touch on him in a little second. But I think they're going to be battling what our expectation was going into the year. It's the same as what management said in opening. Let's play some meaningful games down the stretch. Let's be a buyer at the deadline. And I, I think they're well on their way. There's still some some warts defensively. But then you look at the expected goals, and they're, they're second in the league for the fewest expected goals allowed, which means that they're not giving up a whole lot of high-danger scoring chances. And I'm curious to know how much is this kind of, um, you know, you gain such an adrenaline rush when you're at home. And the I was in Ottawa for the home opener, and this place – was electric not only did they bring back their estranged captain daniel alfredson uh who really hadn't had a relationship with the organization over the last five years really didn't see eye to eye with the former owner and now i mean rest in peace he passed away his daughters now own the team but they're really trying to mend that fence with him he comes out drops a ceremonial puck drop and just kind of to show what i'm talking about here with the adrenaline it's 2 nothing three minutes into the game, right? The team just fed off it, and they're going, they're going, they're going. They score seven goals that game. They give up five, though, but they score seven. High event hockey. Um, I'm, just, I'm just wondering, can they excel once this initial rush comes out, right? Because they lose the first two games on the road. I'm going to be curious once they get on the road. But if they're a buyer at the deadline, to me, the season is a success. Yeah, I think that's a great indication. And, you know, I think the Stars found themselves in a similar spot last season. And it was a relief to see them go out and get a couple players at the deadline and not see them give away. They didn't give away really anything as far as players. So I think that's a, a very great and realistic goal to have in that division. And, you know, to be playing those meaningful games in March and April, uh, I think could definitely do wonders for a team like the Sens that are competing with teams like Detroit. That's also looking to rebound and looking to get back into playoff contention alongside, you know, Toronto and Tampa Bay, Boston, I think is off to a better start the season than I thought they'd be just given their personnel and some of the guys that are out with injury. So uh, a long road ahead for sure for the senators, but I, I think that, you know, this is a, a great game. I think the stars are also riding this rush of a, a hot start, new coach, the fan base. I mean, the, the fan base in Dallas is always passionate. It's a very, yeah, you know, invested cool. fan fan base but i think that they've just been relieved to see you know the the stars I, I, you know i think they still are near the top if not at the top of you know goal differential and you know scoring multiple goals per game but also having a goalie that i think saturday night in montreal was the first time ottinger allowed more than one goal in a game so there's wow. just a lot to be excited about and i think a lot of both of these teams in a similar spot where there's kind of this rush of excitement and a lot of newness amongst the organization and ho hopefully you know it it breeds a good game on Monday night oh I think we're gonna be in for a, for a good game the last last year those two games were, were a bit, I think though especially the one in Dallas it, it kind of felt like Ottawa got out to a bit of a lead took the crowd out of it and then it was more so you know just kind of you know um 
carry it to the finish line a little bit. But I think that especially you mentioned with Pete DeBoer changing up the play structure from Rick Bonus more defensive to let these guys move a little more freely offensive uh, in the offensive zone. I think we're going to be in for a good game. And I want every Dallas Stars fan to keep their eye on number 57 tonight for Ottawa. Easily uh, my favorite up-and-coming player on the team. And there's a lot to choose from. Of course, uh, Brady Kachuk's top of that list too. But if I'm going with the less established guys, Shane Pinto could have a real opportunity. And unfortunately, it comes at the expense of an injury. Josh Norris left the game uh, against Arizona, did not return. We're going to get an update on that uh, later this morning as we're probably going to be releasing this on Monday. So hopefully we get a positive update because he missed 20 games of his rookie season with a shoulder injury. Um, or sorry, not his rookie year, the, his second year in the league. And he had, he scored 35 goals in 66 games. But unfortunately, the shoulder injury took him out of a few others. But with that breeds the opportunity for Shane Pinto, who is now still Calder eligible. And he was one game away from not. He was uh, injured and, and only played five games last year after uh, coming out of college. I believe he played 12 in his first year. So if you play more than six games in back-to-back years, you're no longer Calder eligible. So he plays five. He's back. And now he just looks so lethal. And Ottawa does uh, the same move that St. Louis does to relate it back to the Central Division where they evenly split the talent on their two power play units. So now he's getting an opportunity to play with DeBrinket and Giroux on the power play. So those guys are going to find you in the right spots. And he's been able to produce. He has goals in four straight games right now, does Shane Pinto. He's a defensively sound centerman, only 22 years old. And if you are, um, what do I say? If you wager a little bit on futures over at Bet Online, like we all do here, responsibly at Locked On Network, <laughs> I threw a couple shekels on him to win the Calder trophy this year, and I'm feeling pretty good based on the start that he's had. You know a thing or two about Calder votes, eh, with Jason Robertson down there. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, a guy that very familiar with that award, and you know, had it not been for another generational talent and Kirill Kaprizov, very, very well could have could have won that award. I was on the wagon for for Jason Robertson, just being being a lot younger. I think that they should take that a little more into account than they do, like. Kaprizov is what, 24 years old when he wins the award? Come on. Come on. It, it's it's just because it's it's the South and it's Texas. The Stars, I mean, don't really have a, a big, you know, you know, Jamie Benn won the Art Ross in, what, 2015 with 87 points, which yeah. would be like 20th in the league yeah. at, you know, this time. But yeah, still, still waiting on that first big award winner. No Hart, no Vesna, maybe Jake Ottinger. I, I feel like this is the year that we have someone, someone maybe come away with an award. Interesting. Yeah, Ottawa doesn't know. have many. Just Eric Carlson with two Norris trophies. But other than that, like you got to go all the way back to Daniel Alfredson winning the Calder Trophy way back in 1996 uh, to get a, a major award. But that year was awesome with the, with the Calder because I'm looking at it now and Kaprizov had a 99 out of 100 first place votes. Jason <laughs> Robertson did get the other one though. Uh, but uh, Ottawa had two top 10 finishers that year with Josh Norris finishing fourth and then Tim Stutzla in ninth as well. So, hey, it's going to be a great game. We're uh, we're going to jump on for a postcast afterwards, and we hope the mood's good. And, hey, if, if you're around uh, Monday night after the game, let us know. We'd love to do this again. And if not, then we'll do it in December when the Sens and Stars meet. But I always love watching the Stars play as long as they're not wearing those disgusting neon jerseys that I'm sure Pillsy would get. If he was here, he'd be already beaking in saying they're beautiful. But, um, no, I like the setup back there. Is that a Medano that you've got down low too? 
It is. It's uh, they, The Stars started selling those about halfway through last year. The the throwback, the year they won the Cup in 99. So it had to had to get a little bit of the past up there with Ben Sagan and, and Haskin in. And maybe one day we'll, we'll get a Robertson, Ottinger, Hens up there as well. Whoa, whoa. Not Jason Spezza? Uh, maybe. If, if, if the universe allows. I don't know how many yeah, you're, you're Spezza pandering. Stars jerseys are up there. I don't. I don't know how many of those are running around these days. Man, I was looking though, and like his first year in Dallas, at least, was super successful, if not the first two, right? Because I'm looking at it, like, I know D- Dallas, like they don't have a whole lot of like, like, um, really super high point totals. They've only got four play, five players in team history with more than 500 points. Sorry, six uh, with Yuri Lettinen in there as well. He's he's got to be a major award winner though. If we're counting the Selkie, didn't he win that award a bunch of times? Letting it? Yeah. 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 I, I think it, at least three. And I, I mean, that's he was mainly in his prime before I was even born. So my, my yeah, memory on the, the early 90s player. is a little foggy. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you could argue whether or not the Selkie is like the major awards, like the Art Ross, the Norris, the Vesna, because those are like the best players in the league. Best defensive forward. It's still a good award. But I, I, I think that you, you could spin zone that and say, it's just, you know, it is. But what I was getting at there, looking at the Dallas Stars uh, all-time points leaders, like, you don't have to scroll that far down. Jason Spetz is 15th on this list. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it's just a, a team that hasn't been around all that long in the grand scheme of things. I mean, of course, they were yeah. the, the North Stars before they came to Texas. But, I mean, it's Madonna, and, you know, and even now, I mean, it's Sagan, it's Ben. And guys like that. I mean, Madonna is certainly the you know the biggest and most recognizable. Sergey Zuboff, I know, is up there as far as defensemen yeah. in the organization. Uh, he gets he got his number retired in Dallas last season, and so a lot of you know reverence he and respect for him. Experience. He's like an old school guy. Yeah, yeah. Probably it, it, was, in Dallas. I feel like that was with the Rangers, like early early nineties. But I, yeah. I've heard some stories about Sergey Zubov. Yeah, I've. Too, because I, I didn't really get to watch him play again. I mean, he just you know played before I was alive, and even I think he played a little bit when I was you know uh, a little kid running around. But I mean, he he wasn't quite the player he was back when you know he won that cup with the Rangers, and even when he won with the Stars, I was about six months old. So even with the Stars, I'm looking at it right now. There's a few articles. Trevor Daly told me that uh, Sergey Zubov used to smoke cigarettes in the shower after games. That is old school hockey. You don't see that anymore. Everyone's got their shakes and they're already looking forward to their nutrition for the next day. Eh? <laughs> yeah, but lots of people said it's only right when he gets his number retired if he lights you know, something in, in the rink, but it didn't happen. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, everything's bigger in Texas. He should have come out with a jumbo and gone real wild. But, that, that's hey, right. Hey, this has been uh, this has been awesome getting to know the Dallas Stars a little bit better. Let everyone know where they can find you on uh, on social media and and the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can just find the show. We're on Instagram most recently and Twitter as well, just at Locked On Stars. You can find my personal Twitter account just uh, at Dane two underscores Lewis because my name with one underscore was already taken, so I just had to add the extra. And if any Sins fans do feel so inclined, we're we're sitting just below nine hundred subscribers on YouTube right now, Ooh. trying to get to one thousand. So. Uh, if any of them are, are feeling generous and want to just drop a subscription on YouTube, I'd appreciate it. And uh, I'll be for a subscription. Oh, it's free. J- just oh. like you guys, I know as well. Wow. All right. Everyone <laughs> go. It's free. What more do you want from our good friend, Dane Lewis? Appreciate you doing this, brother. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Ross.